Rethinking healthcare takes more than disruption. It takes more than thought leaders. It takes change makers and doers. That's who we'll be speaking to on the Healthcare Rethink podcast, giving you, our dedicated listeners, a rich body of insights to make your own change. This is the Healthcare Rethink podcast. Alex, welcome to uh, Hims. Is this your first Hims? This is. Thank you awesome. so much for having me. It's a little overwhelming, I think, man. Uh, like it's there's a lot going yeah. on here. We have a large Finthrive booth. We got a lot of traffic here, and uh, it's, it's been busy. It's a massive location. It yeah, took a while just to get here. I think here. there's like a thousand vendors. There's there's a lot of people going on. I've been to like eight sessions. It's been really really busy. Um, you flew in yesterday, yeah? Yeah, I landed yeah. Uh, just this morning. Oh, okay. It's been a long day. Well, I won't keep you too long. Thank you for coming out. Uh, you are at the University of Virginia, and you helped with uh, Utica on a study. Can you tell me a little bit about your role at UVA? Yeah, so at UVA, I've worked for the last 12 years in translational research and medicine, uh, primarily in hematology, oncology, um, doing a lot of work in different applications of immunology research and currently working at a core facility where I assist different researchers within the university in their projects. Awesome. Uh, well, let's talk about that Utica study. This is exciting work. Um, a lot of work in health equity. That's something FinThrive is very, very passionate about. We uh, have a lot of data sets that we're leveraging to look at you know, disparities in care, identifying social risks like housing, income, uh, transportation, other social vulnerabilities. Uh, you were you uh, said there were some key takeaways from that study, and did you did you feel like there was anything that was compelling in the realm of just the study of the research itself or its application kind of to general society? Or? Yes. So a little bit of background on the study is that we were looking at uh, changes in economic stress factors pre and post uh, the COVID-19 recession pandemic within a variety of uh, six states about. It's an ongoing study, so we're still going through a lot of the data, but we've gone through New York and Virginia so far. And what we found is that despite a lot of the interventions that have been made in terms of um, uh, things like the rent freezes, uh, credit um, for child tax credit purposes and things like that, we're still seeing specific large populations are experiencing a lot of economic stress factors as a result. Uh, credit utilization increasing and stuff like that. And while it's not necessarily surprising to find out that um, single parents uh, are experiencing these stresses a lot more than others, some minority populations, folks without graduate degrees. Um, it's interesting to see that despite these interventions with one of the most liquid recessions that we've had, we're still seeing you know these strong impacts. We actually see differences in some of these populations between different states. We're still going through the data, so it's still going to be interesting to see how different states react differently um, for different demographics. That's fascinating stuff. I was in a session yesterday where they talked about like lifestyle vulnerability score and it talked about how patients live or patients, how people live like check to check and like when something and like an adverse event happens, like you go to the hospital or um, someone gets sick in the household, they have to actually go borrow and that is amplified in areas of ethnicity, you know, so there mm -hmm. may be in the Hispanic or African-American population um, that happens with a higher level of frequency and there's more barriers to kind of accessing healthcare or even transportation to get there. And the study kind of gets into some of that, right? Yeah. And in addition to that, childcare, uh, it's very hard to take time off just to go to a doctor's appointment half the time or schedule one in which case you can have somebody watching your kids or you don't need to go pick them up. I think accessibility is going to be one of the key factors because we've seen in pretty much every state that we've looked at so far that the largest group that's impacted are single parents, which is 
uh, very unfortunate that we don't have better um, daycare times and assistants that work better with, you know, uh, parents' schedules. So in addition to um, not only access, I think when people do experience problems, they tend to push them back and don't even go to the doctor, don't take preventative care measures. And those tend to build up and, you know, the saying, uh, ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. That's very much applicable in these yeah. cases. I heard yesterday too that medic, medical adherence is like very impacted by that. So we're trying to help providers and payers associate that risk from studies like that at the state level to say, hey, watch out for these zip codes or these states. Um, there's a high density of single parent, parent households um, that uh, is not a question that's often asked in the clinical setting. I worked in a hospital. Hey, are you single? <laughs> you know, it's something you'd ask somewhere else, but it's not, you know, do you, do you live by yourself or do you have a mechanism to get there? Those are not questions that are typically asked in a clinical setting. So I think that data is very, very powerful. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, you, you shared the benefit of kind of early intervention. Can you expand on that? So like what what types of early interventions do you think could occur based off those scenarios for people to get to where they need to be or, or to get into healthcare um, and get those needed services? Well, as I mentioned, so many people will then push off uh, issues either frequently dental uh, exams just to get their teeth checked and that causes so many downstream issues. Um, just having the availability to get there. So much of uh, social determinants of health aren't necessarily just health issues, but accessibility, as you pointed out, public transportation, daycare services, and then of course cost, which totally. can be taken care of at the health um, totally. side, but you need a whole lot of uh, different groups collaborating together for that same common goal. I think that's going to be one of the hardest barriers to yeah. kind of reach that. Yeah, that's so, so true. Uh, you talked about stratification of health and just your, some of the outcomes that you saw in that report. So, you know, talk through some of those stratifications. Like, where did you see breaks specifically in some of the results from the Utica report? Like, what were some of those layers of data that you saw? Um, a lot of it is going to be kind of overlap between different populations. Um, uh, so you can kind of use that information to then look at other data sets that we haven't directly studied. Um, so a lot of this data is from like completely disparate uh, groups and data forms that have been joined together, done a lot of cleanup. So finding out different overlaps between these demographic data, like as you pointed out, clinical settings don't have information like are you single? Do you have children at home? Um, so being able to kind of combine that information, we gain a lot more than just the sum of the individual parts. Um, but the, I'd say the big stratification is being able to then continue to expand this work. Like once we get more information on from different states, we can see how state results differed and maybe look at the different policies that different states had in terms of unemployment benefits and stuff. That's good. Yeah, I think that's a good application of that data is to go back and look at like the Medicaid population specifically and understand mm -hmm. like where there's gaps in um, accessing care or maybe overutilization in some cases in the ED where maybe primary care physician density is not there and understanding those accessibility issues and barriers that exist. That's awesome. Um, FinThrive helped provide a lot of the data for this report as an input. Can you kind of expand on what some of that data's role was in helping with the findings? Yeah, so as I mentioned, um, this came from a lot of different disparate sources. Uh, so this project was a massive collaboration between Utica, Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, and FinThrive, and we really couldn't have gotten a hold of all the data set that's required. Uh, having just the financial information doesn't tell us much, 
and FinThrive's contributions of the demographic data are what really allow us to target in on specific at-risk and um, populations so that we can better identify these are the folks who are at need. Um, just having the economic information, we found income doesn't necessarily correlate because as I pointed out, this was a very high um, liquid recession where the stimulus checks that came through, all of that muddles the data a lot and it doesn't really convey the full story about who's experiencing these stress factors. Nice, that's awesome. How would you define health equity? Like what's your definition there? Like just generally, it doesn't have to be from Utiquary anywhere, but go ahead. Uh, not only just having access, but feeling safe within your um, healthcare provider, uh, feeling kind of recognized, understanding that, you know, my doctor is listening to my concerns. Uh, they're respecting my concerns about whether I'm having pain and uh, are taking my feedback on, you know, treatment. Because sometimes it can be hard to convey what issues you're having um, and different things like that, uh, respectful pronoun usage and stuff. Um, I think that's where I kind of hope to see health care equity going and just everybody being on board with making sure people have access and afford it and feel comfortable going to the doctor. That's awesome. Uh, where do you think this data is going? Like, what's the next step? Like, if you were to do another study or who, do you, who would you like to pick this data up and kind of make change in our country? Like, what, what would you like to happen with it? I'd say probably the next big step for this particular data set is we still have a couple more states to go through. Okay. And um, we'll be able to then compare state-to-state -state responses and look at things like, you know, we see that minority populations in New York are affected very differently than minority populations in, I don't know, North Carolina or something. Totally. Yeah. And then we can actually see how and where those locations are, if they're more rural, harder to get access to specific things like public tra transportation, and then see, you know, how those other factors. So it's going to be kind of an escalation of the data, keep stacking, we keep learning new things from it. The difficult part is knowing where to kind of stop with it at some point, though. You bet. Well, uh, Alex, thank you so much for coming today. Um, my advice is to not walk around too much. It looks like you got some pretty comfortable shoes on. <laughs> um, it's my eighth Tim's. There's a lot going on. Uh, Jonathan Wick here at FinThrive. Uh, Alex Wendling from uh, University of Virginia. Thank you so much, sir. Really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. And for enjoy having the rest me. of the show. Talk thank to you. Later.